John chapter 15, verse 9. And this is Jesus speaking. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my fr friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command, love each other. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Hey, keep your finger there and your Bibles open. We'll pray and then we'll get into this. Heavenly Father, um, we thank you so much that you are a good and a holy God. We thank you uh, that we can see that as we look around in this world and we see creation and, and your fingerprint on uh, what we look at. We thank you for yeah, your creativity and your bigness, but we thank you too that you extend um, yourself to us and that you show us love. We pray this morning that we would wrestle with what this means for us and uh, that as we leave this morning that we would be different people as, as what we were when we entered in because of your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so I hated growing up when my parents would tell me, you just have to love them. I don't know if you've ever felt that, uh, those words before, you've been told it or you've felt it. Um, I, I hated being told it because for me, in my household, I just knew that that was the case, right? I had three older brothers, and when you've got three older brothers, you know that you have to love them, right? It's the answer or why you have to love them is obvious. They're faster, they're quicker, um, they can hold you underwater for longer, they can definitely flush your head down the toilet, which might explain a few things about me. So, so I knew that I had to love them. I knew that line. But see, as we grew up, as you know, we move out of home and get older in life, I feel like this line still kind of lingers with us. And maybe, maybe you still get told it from time to time, but deep down this feeling, I just have to love them, still carries us, still is with us. Maybe you've experienced it at home with that housemate that doesn't you know, wash their dishes. Maybe you've experienced it at work with the person that sits next to you and just sits on Facebook all day. And you just know, I mean, you want to get angry at them, but deep down, you know, I just have to love them. Maybe it's family. And in that extended family gathering, you've got that weird uncle or the weird cousin, but you know deep down you just have to love them. I feel like this line sticks with us. And one place that it sticks with us, it's with us, is actually at church. I mean, I don't know if you caught that from this passage, but Jesus says it twice there, this is my command, love each other. Right? Essentially, Jesus is saying, you just have to love them. So why? Why do we have to love people? 
Why, why do we have to do that and how do we even do it? Because those two questions are nearly as important as what we've got to do anyway. Why do we just have to love people? And how do we even do that in the first place? Well, well if you've got your Bibles there, again, keep them open in John 15. Now, again, it's, it's always important to remember where we are. Uh, Peter said it's the Gospel of John and John is all about how we can have life in Jesus. It's all about how there is more going on in this world than what's in front of us, and we can have life in Jesus. Jesus here is speaking to his disciples. He's just said in the first eight verses of this, uh, of this chapter, things like trust in me, believe in me, that's how you're going to bear fruit, these kind of things. We pick it up in verse 9, but as we read it this time, see if you can catch the why and the how that we have to love people. Why and the how that we have to love them. This is what God's word says in verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I called you friends for every time, for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command, Jesus says. Again, love each other. And it's not a small love here either. Right, the love that he's talking about, the kind of love he's calling us to is an extreme love. It's an insane amount of love. It's not the kind of love, you know, where you get up on the bus just for the other person so they can sit down. This is a bigger deal than that. It's verse kind of 13 and 14, laying your life down for each other. This is a real call of love, an insane call of love Jesus is calling us to. So why? Why do we have to do it? And, and how do we love? Well, well, did you catch how Jesus started? Verse 9, he said, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Right? No, Jesus doesn't just start with do stuff. He starts with who you are. Right? It's important to remember that before we go on to how amazing it is that God loves us. It's important to recognize that before God talks about anything to do with what we actually do, he talks about who we are. He says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. You now, now in the last four weeks, uh, we've been looking at this series called The Face of God, getting kind of in God's face, trying to know who God is and what God's done, seeing the incredible love that the Father has for the Son, an eternal love, a universal, uh, uh, not a universe, an eternal love, an unchanging love, unconditional love, a love you won't find anywhere else that the Father has for the Son, and Jesus is saying here. That same love I have for you. The starting point, before we think about anything about what we've got to do, it starts with the fact that God says right here, He loves you. God of the universe. Jesus is saying here, God loves you. This is a big deal, right? And we have to feel the weight of how big this is. Um, it, it's kind of like what we see uh, at the moment with Adele. Well, she was in town. So Adele is kind of um, the 
best musician you could say in the planet right now because she won the Grammy for best album a few weeks ago. So best uh, musician in the world at the moment. She comes to Brisbane, maybe you were lucky enough to go. Um, and look, I know that maybe all of us wouldn't say that Adele's great, but I think that at the end of the day, you know, when we're looking ourselves in the mirror, we would admit that she can sing and maybe even put her song on and sing by herself. I, I don't know if you do that. But she came to Brisbane and what happened in her, uh, in her show in Brisbane is she sings a few songs, it's amazing, and then she invites a few people up onto stage. Now the people come up onto stage and they sing with her and these people just can't sing, right? It's that simple. They're, just, they're horrible singers. And this is coming from me, a terrible singer. Right, in fact, to show you how bad I am at singing, I got kicked out of a grade one choir. I mean, can you believe that? Like a cute blonde boy gets kicked out of a choir. How bad do you need to be at singing? But these people can't sing. So, so next to Adele, they, they can't sing. So on the one hand, you've got Adele, right? The, the greatest in the world, a somebody. A, and then you've got these people up on stage that just can't sing. Uh, in, in terms of music, a nobody. That's an amazing experience for them. What Jesus is saying here, though, is bigger than that. It's heaps bigger than that. He's saying that the God of the universe loves you. So, so let's think about this. He's God. Right? Like, like he's the God of the universe. He created everything. He stands alone as God. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. There is no one that comes close to God. And he created everything. He created the, the things that we see and the things that we don't see. He created us to think and to feel. He invented communication so that I can speak and, and, and people can hear. God made this stuff. God is God. He stands alone. And what Jesus is saying here is that God is interested, but more than that, he actually loves you. So, so let's think about us. Right now, now, I know that this morning, some of us came here and, and we feel broken and we feel weak and we feel like no one could love us. And then there's some of us here this morning that feel like, you know, we're not that broken. Like, we're pretty awesome, actually. And, and when the Bible speaks of brokenness, you know, it's talking about other people. But, but the reality is, is what the Bible does is it takes both of us from, from either extreme and anywhere in between, and it puts us on the same page. And, and the Bible says of our situation that our sin has broken us. The, the bad things we've done, the good things we haven't, it has created us to be broken. And so we are broken and we live in a broken world. But I don't think we need the Bible to tell us that we're broken. I don't, I don't think we do. I think if we look around into even our best relationships, we would recognize that even in our best relationships, we still show signs of brokenness. Right? Like, like it happens all the time. In our closest relationships, we still get into fights. Our selfishness still comes out. And, and so our brokenness bleeds through even in our best relationships. But then we look around and we see that this world is broken too. I mean, we were reminded that of this week in London, and that feels closer to home. But week in, week out, we see more horrific things than happened in London. 
So we are broken in our relationships and the world is broken. And, and now I know that some of us here this morning, we feel that brokenness. This week was hard for us. We, we feel that brokenness all too well. We feel like no one could love us. And maybe, unfortunately, you've even been told that no one could love you. But then some of us feel like we're awesome and, and that we are God's gift to people. But the Bible's saying, you know what? You're not as good as you think you are. You are broken. But Jesus says, still in that, I love you. Right? See, see, our brokenness and our sin deserves God's wrath. It deserves God's anger. So, so the reality is, right, if we came to the Bible this morning and it said that God hates you, that God hates you because of your sin, if we came here this morning and opened up the Bible and it said that, that would make sense. Because I am broken. And I am weak. But it doesn't. Jesus doesn't say that. He says the opposite. He says, no, I, I love you. I'm interested in you. I care about you. Jesus is saying here that I love you with a greater love than you'll find anywhere else. He's saying that he genuinely cares about you. Now, now the amazing thing about Jesus is he doesn't just tell us that he loves us. We all know that when someone says they love us and, and shows something different, then that doesn't mean anything, right? We all know that. Jesus doesn't just say that he loves us. He shows us that. And we see that in verse 13. I mean, it's one of those verses you highlight, you underline, you stand out. Greater love has no one than this, than he lay down his life for his friends. And you are my friends if you do what I command. Now, we'll get to that bit a little bit later on about if you do what I command and what that means for us. But here, Jesus is saying, he's not just saying that he loves us. He actually shows us that by dying on the cross for us by securing us and saving us. He shows us this unconditional, this unchanging love. Now, the crazy thing is that this is what we're all looking for. And this is what the world is looking for. Our culture is looking for. We're looking for this unconditional love. I mean, you don't have to look around to, to suss that out to see it, right? You listen to culture for a little while and you'll see that that happens. Um, Frank Ocean song from a few years back, uh, one of his lines was, I'm searching for this real love. Right? We're, we're looking for this real love. Uh, if you listen into the uh, same-sex debate at the moment, right, the, the whole thing is all about love. Right? They, they want real love. How can you rob us of this real love? Our world is searching for this real love. Probably the pinnacle of this, the height of this, was an article that I stumbled across last week. And we've got the slide up there. And uh, it's titled, While losing, Why Losing a Dog Can Be Harder Than Losing a Relative. Now, uh, I don't know whether to be angry about that or to laugh about that. But I do think it reflects in some way our society and really at the heart of what we're looking for, that we're searching for this love. And there's this quote that uh, is from this article. This is what she says, uh, the author says, sorry. Psychologist Julie Axelrod has pointed out that the loss of a dog is so painful because owners aren't just losing a pet. It could mean the loss of a source of unconditional love, a primary companion who provides security and comfort. You know, the, the dog's always there, right? Always greeting you, always 
loves you. And when we lose an animal, we're not just losing a dog, she's saying. We're losing a source of unconditional love. A primary companion who provides security and comfort. Now, now don't get me wrong. I love dogs as much as the next person. Well, actually, after reading this article, not as much as the next person. But I do love dogs. Um, I do love the love that they give. Um, and, and I shouldn't have to say this. But broader than just the, the love of a dog, right? In fact, any love that we'll find in this world, even in my best relationships, right? So I'm, I'm married to Elizabeth, my best relationship, even the love that I get from Elizabeth has nothing on the love that Jesus is talking about here, right? Jesus, the God of the universe is saying that he loves us, that he cares about us, that he fully knows us and truly loves us it's 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 more it's bigger than anything we'll find in this world it's a better love than you can ever find in this world and, and jesus is saying here that the god of the universe genuinely actively loves you and so if you're here this morning and, and maybe maybe you're not a christian maybe you're still wrestling with this maybe you're only here because because someone kept asking you to be here um, if you're not yet a Christian and you want to experience this love, a greater love than you'll find anywhere else, it, it's simple. Come to Jesus. Trust in Jesus. Run to Jesus. This love is on offer for you. But if you are here this morning, if you've experienced the love, right? Like that, the, Christianity is not just this set of rules. It's not just this head thing. Like if we've experienced God's love, and the question we have is, what do we do with this love? Right? What, what do we actually do with God's love that he gives us? Well, we saw it in our passage, didn't we? Over and over again, Jesus says, this is my command, love each other. Now, before we move on, we'll go back to that uh, the, kind of the question that's raised, I think, in verse 14. Because it sounds like God loves us if we do what he says. So that, that's not um, unconditional love. That's conditional Sounds like that. So you get in verse 14. You also get it in verse 10. Um, he says the same idea, but verse 14 is clearer. You are my friends. He says, if you do what I command. That sounds like God loves us if we do what he says. And if I stop doing what he says, then he doesn't love us anymore. Um, it's a dangerous idea, though. It's a very dangerous idea. And while these verses on their own, you might get that idea to actually come to the conclusion that that's what the Bible says, you'd have to ignore the rest of John. Right? So we know John 3.16, right? God loved the world so much uh, that he sent his son. Whoever believes in him will have eternal life. Right? It's about believing in Jesus. John 6, uh, Jesus makes these hard teachings. People leave. He turns to his disciples. He says, are you guys going to leave as well? And Peter says, where else are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. In John 14, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. It's all about believing in Jesus. But our actions, our obedience to Jesus is a sign that we have experienced his love, right? That, that's the reality. Our obedience is a sign that we've experienced his love. And, and really, if we think about it, uh, it makes sense too when we think about families. So if you have kids, even if you don't have kids, we know this idea, obedience to parents doesn't make that child their child. 
right? Like, so obedience to an authoritative figure doesn't instinctively make you part of the family. We all know that. Even more teachers would hate to be teachers. Even less people would want to be teachers if that was true. Uh, you're the child in that family. And, and a sign of that is that you listen to what your parents say. Now, please don't go home and say, the guy up front from church said this. That's not the point. The point is that God loves us. And so we do what he says because he loves us. Right? He makes us his children, so we do what he says. And so the question is why? Why and how do we actually do that? Well, God loves us, and so we do what he says. And as we grasp this love, as we grasp this unconditional love, this unchanging love that we won't find anywhere else, as we grasp this love, it transforms us. It changes us. Tim Keller, in his book, uh, The Meaning of Marriage, says it like this. Uh, the quote's on the screen. He says it like this. To be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. That, that's the love of a dog, right? Um, it's comforting, it's great, but it's, it's superficial. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. I mean, this, this is why we pretend to be someone we're not. This is why we um, fake it sometimes. Because to be known and not loved is our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved, well, is a lot like being loved by God. It is what we need more than anything. It liberates us from pretense. It humbles us out of our self-righteousness and fortifies us for any difficulty life can throw at us. God's love for us, his unconditional love for us, where he fully knows us and yet truly loves us, is life transforming. The reality that God knows me, my deepest darkest secrets that God knows my failures that God knows my brokenness that God knows my weaknesses that God knows my unique personality that God knows my character that God knows my clumsiness that God knows me and yet truly loves me is the most unbelievable thing we can find in this world that God fully knows us and yet truly loves us. And as we grasp this, it changes us. It changes us. As we grasp that God loves us despite us, that he fully knows us and truly loves us, it changes us. And it enables us to actually love others. In fact, as we grasp God's love, God gives us this ability and this attitude to actually do what he says. God's love is the why and how to, to how we love others, to why we love others. And so he gives us this ability and the attitude. First of all, God gives us the ability to love others. So uh, we've seen it in the last four weeks as we've been looking at who God is. We see how God extends his love for us in Jesus by giving Jesus, but God also extends his love for us by giving the Holy Spirit. And so we have the ability to actually love others because the Spirit is within us helping us. But the reality too is as we grasp God's love, just from a practical standpoint, we can love others from security. 
knowing that someone fully knows us and truly loves us, we can love people from that place of security. And as we look out, we don't see differences. We actually see the reality that other people are just like us, broken in a world full of broken love and need to know Jesus. And so, so God's love gives us the ability to love others. But it also gives us the attitude, right? So um, the closer we walk with Jesus, and, and you see this if you um, sort of spend some time in, in verse 1 to 8 of the, the vine stuff, the remain in me stuff. Um, the, the, it, it's all about this intimate relationship with Jesus. And, and you still see it there. I mean, in verse 9, he says, As the Father's loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. The reality is, as we um, walk in this close relationship with Jesus, his attitude becomes ours. Right? As we grasp that someone loves me despite me, it's an attitude that we start to grasp a hold of ourselves and where we have the ability and the attitude to love others. Right? This is the why and the how that we love others. Now, now, the challenging thing for us is that as we look through history, we see people who have done this. Right? Like uh, we see people who have so experienced God's love that they go and love other people. We see it again and again in history, in, in cultures like ours, in places like Brisbane, but we also see it as people go to the ends of the earth to tell people about Jesus. Right? They're so experienced, uh, so have experienced God's love that they go and love others. One um, example of this is a, a lady called Elizabeth Elliot. I don't know if you've heard her story before, maybe you just know her name. Uh, she passed away last year, actually, went to meet Jesus face to face. But Elizabeth, uh, Elizabeth Elliot's story is unbelievable of how she loved others because she'd experienced God's love. So uh, her story, um, she was married to a guy called Jim. Uh, Jim, uh, they were living overseas. Jim wanted to go on mission to this place called uh, near eastern Ecuador. Uh, of this people that were untouched, hadn't uh, spoken to anyone outside of their tribe, and he planned for two years to go into this village. Um, they'd even done flyovers of dropping things down to try and communicate them and show them they were friendly faces and, and stuff like that. Eventually, after two years of praying and wrestling through with this, he eventually went into this tribe. On arrival, they killed him. Two years of preparation, maybe even more of praying, of working out how to get in there. And on arrival, this tribe killed Jim. Now, how do you feel if you're Elizabeth in that moment? What what do you do in that moment? I don't think any of us would blame her for going home or going back to security or, or really whatever she did with the rest of her life. But she didn't do that. In fact, she went back to that tribe and stayed there for two years to the tribe that killed her husband and told them about the love of Jesus and many of them became Christians. Now, when hearing about something like that, you've got to ask the question, why would someone do that? But the answer is she experienced God's love and she wanted others to know that love. She experienced God's love and so she loved others. Now, now history is filled with people like this. You don't have to go far to find Christians who have done this, people who have done this. But the challenge for us this morning is that God isn't simply calling us to look through history. 
The challenge for us here this morning is that God isn't calling us to simply enjoy the fact that others have loved others before us. The challenge for us is that God is calling us to love others. This insane level of love that he's saying, that he's talking about, that he showed us by laying his life down. Jesus is calling us to this love. As we've experienced God's love, so so love others. Don't just look at history and celebrate that. Be that. Do that. And, And yes, obviously it means in our families to love our families well. Yes, it means within these walls to love our church family well. But this love extends past these walls and past the walls of our new building and into our community. It overflows. As we've experienced God's love, Jesus said, love others. You see, here at a church, like obviously... We want to capture this individually, right? We want to be people individually that grasp God's love and love others. But as a church, we want to be a church that loves others. You know, this whole building project, the whole talk about filling that building and reaching thousands in our community and and, and, and doing this, this doesn't come from like this fact that we want to be a big church or anything like that. It comes from the fact that we've experienced God's love and we want others to experience God's love. This is where it comes from. An unconditional love that the world is searching for. And the reality is you won't find it anywhere outside of Jesus. This is why we want to do what we want to do as a church. And this is what Jesus is calling us to. He says, as I have loved you, this is my command. So love others. Let's pray. God, we want to celebrate the fact that you love us that you've given yourself to us in Jesus and you've given yourself to us in the Holy Spirit. God, it's a love that we won't find anywhere else. A love that we need. We thank you so much that we have this love. But God, we pray that, that as we read passages like this, as we sit under this, that we would be the people that are transformed by your love so that we can love others. We pray that you'd give us the help But we know that your word promises you already have with the spirit, with this attitude, the Christ-like attitude. And so we pray that that we would actually love others. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.